welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Amen. Good morning, church. Morning, man. It is good to see you guys here. Good to see, uh, have our family online. Uh, If it's your first time here, uh, my name's Buck, and I have uh, the privilege of serving uh, as the lead pastor here at Connection Church. And so uh, today, as you read uh, and and we read, is that we're going to be in 1 Samuel 17 uh, talking about the story of David and Goliath. But I feel compelled uh, by the Holy Spirit to to share a couple things with you. One, uh, it's been quite a week, hasn't it? Uh, There's a lot going on in our world. There's a lot going on in our community. Uh, a lot going on in uh, our families. And so uh, a couple things. One, I, I just want to pray. I know there are many first responders, healthcare workers, teachers, people that are on the front lines uh, of all that's going on in this season. So one, I'd like to pray for you. Secondly, uh, if you're not familiar with what's going on, as many I'm sure you are, of what's unfolding uh, in Afghanistan, uh, that it is uh, a dire situation in that many of our Christian brothers and sisters uh, are being displaced, that they are having to flee uh, for their lives. Many Afghanis are uh, legitimately hiding for their lives uh, for the Taliban. And so um, what we're going to do as a church uh, is we're going to give away our entire offering today to the people on the ground uh, in Afghanistan. Um, you know, one of, our, one of our core values here is that, gener- is that the gospel produces generous people. And we as a church uh, need to rally around our brothers and sisters uh, that are fighting against forces of darkness all over the earth. So if you would, could we pray together as a church? And I would love to pray over you uh, as a community. Father, we love you. God, we are so humbled by your grace, your favor on us, God, that we're here. And um, Lord, how good you've been to uh, your church Um, here in this community, here at Connection Church. Lord, I just want to lift up each and every person listening to this, God, that is stepping into a battle uh, that is unimaginable. God, hospitals, schools, first responding, and so many more things, family members that are struggling. God, just uh, so much going on in this world. God, I just pray for your strength, your grace, your covering. God, I pray that you would give courage when there seems like there is none. God, give strength when it feels like it's zapped. I pray you be with our church. God, be with this community. Lord, would you pour out your grace? Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters around the globe. God, those in the Middle East suffering persecution. But God, we rejoice that the gospel is going forth even right now as I preach your word. God, I pray you'd strengthen our brothers and sisters. God, I pray that every dollar given would go to the greatest need. God, that you would equip people with what they need to survive this winter. God, that we would strengthen our brothers and sisters as they embrace persecution. And God, I pray that you would give them the grace and strength to be faithful to the end. And God, that we would be faithful in prayer, ferocious in prayer for all these needs I've requested. Lord, your word says that prayer is powerful and effective. And I pray we would practice that. Lord, we love you. I pray over this message and our time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, today uh, we are in probably the most well-known Bible story uh, throughout, right? Wouldn't you guys uh, agree? Of David and Goliath. And, and just to share it personally, um, every now and again, I like when the Bible gets a little R-rated, right? Like they give you the gory details of what happened to Goliath at the end of this story, right? Um, and, and so I want to talk about 
One, I feel like that is very significant for what we're going to be talking about today. Um, But what this is, is a great battle. It's a great battle of good and evil. It's a great battle of, on paper, the one that's supposed to win and against him uh, is the underdog. And many of us, man, we love good hero stories. If you were here last week, we talked about the anointing of King David and that we all love uh, a great underdog story. Well, in this story, we see that the underdog wins. But one of the things I want you to know uh, is that this story is misinterpreted very often, right? And, And many of us kind of throw it into like this Space Jam type story. Sorry, I've got Space Jam on my mind. Haven't seen the new one. Uh, but my kids are really into the old one, right? And so uh, there's these nine-foot uh, monsters, these aliens who are the bad guys, and all of the Looney Tunes are three-foot little cartoon characters uh, that, that come back and beat um, this insurmountable enemy, uh, the, the tall monsters. Well, um, what I want you to know today is, is this, is that this is a great battle, that a teenager walked out with a stone, with a sling, and defeated a nine-foot giant. That happened. But this battle is only a glimpse of the major battle, right? And what I want to lead you into as we start is this is a picture, a snapshot of the greatest battle of our world, the greatest battle of human existence. Because see, how to misinterpret this This passage is to say that if I was more like David, I could defeat my ugly coworker, right? If I was more like David, if we were more like David, my football team who has a line that's too small could beat the bigger team, right? Well, if I had enough faith, then I could defeat my rival. But let's take it a little bit deeper. Well, if I had enough faith, then bad things would go away in my life. Bad things would never happen. That all the giants of my life, we would, we would win. Um, and what I mean by that is small giants or everything would go my way. Sickness would always flee, right? And many times what we do is we insert ourselves to be David, right? And we see David championed up high and lifted. But what I want you to know today is that uh, this whole series has been about seeing Jesus through the Bible. And what I want you to know about how to interpret the Bible and how to keep from interpreting Scripture wrong is the Bible is not primarily a self-help book. Uh, It is not primarily 10 ways to have uh, a better life. No, the Bible is 66 books, right? It's, uh, uh, It's written by over 40 authors over a few thousand years. But I pray what you're seeing as we preach this story is one linear thread, and it is showing us who God is and what he has done. Amen? And so what I want to show you today is that the Bible is written so that we would see Jesus and love him. Hear that again. That the Bible is written so that we could see Jesus and we could love him and begin to orient our lives around the truth of who he is and what he has done. Because right now, every one of us are fighting a battle. We're fighting the battles of sickness. We're fighting the battles of social turmoil. We're fighting the battles of political unrest, mental health, jobs, exhaustion, frustration. We are fighting battles. But what I want you to know today is this, is that we fight these battles from victory, not hoping for it. Hear that one more time. We will fight these lesser battles from a place of victory, not hoping we have it. Because in Jesus Christ, 
we have victory. And I want to show you what I mean by this, okay? And so what's going on in this passage? Um, the people of Israel uh, are, are come up against their arch enemies, the Philistines, okay? And so the Philistines uh, are the first group to really start weaponizing metals. They're one of the first civilizations to start using iron and bronze uh, in their warfare. So they have a superior army. They have great worldly weapons. And guess what? It don't hurt. They got a nine-foot giant on their side. Like this guy is nine feet, Goliath. And what basically has happened is for 40 days, he has come out and he said, hey, instead of the army of the Philistines and the army of Israel fighting, I'm going to come out and represent my army. You send a representative out to fight from your army. We'll fight. Whoever wins are going to take over the opposing army, right? And so for 40 days, he taunts God's people. He taunts the king of Israel. Um, he taunts God himself. And for 40 days, no one will stand against this great enemy. For 40 days, uh, Saul, King Saul, cowers in fear. In fact, um, he hires, he says, hey, if any of you guys will kill this giant, I'll give you my daughter in marriage. He doesn't step up to the plate. The people of Israel don't step up to the plate. And so in this great trial and testing, and that's what the number 40 represents in the Bible, uh, is a great time of testing. You'll see that um, Israel was in the desert for 40 uh, years. You'll see that Jesus fasted for 40 days. You'll see that Jesus came back to strengthen us for 40 days before he resurrected. And so Israel is being tested to see if there is anyone in their own strength can face this enemy. And guess what? No one. No one steps up to the plate. But then what happens? A shepherd boy comes up, and when he hears that his God is being taunted, when he hears that this enemy is defying the living God, the God who he knows personally, he says, I'll stand and I'll fight and so what David does is instead of gearing up with armor, instead of gearing up with worldly means, he trusts God with the battle. He picks up a stone and slings and defeats this enemy. Now what I want you to take, first thing, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. This battle is a picture of the gospel. And then again, this is no doubt, this battle is a picture of the gospel. The most loving thing I could say is that we are not David in this story. Hear that again. We cannot first put ourselves in the shoes of David, but this story is a picture of the gospel. If I could kind of put it this way, one of my favorite childhood movies uh, is The Patriot. All right, if you guys have never seen The Patriot, uh, great story. Um, how many of you, just by a show of hands, how many of you have seen this movie? Is that many? You can't tell me, and I'm going to ruin this, so I apologize. When he whips his head around at the end and gets the bad guy, you aren't fired up, right? Like it's, it's basically this story of uh, an evil general uh, really persecuting uh, this family, this good man, this farmer, and it ends uh, with a great victory at the end. Well, this victory, David uh, defeating Goliath, um, it is a real-life battle, but it points to an ultimate war going on. It points to a war of God and Satan, Jesus and the enemies of God, salvation and sin, and it really is a picture of something much bigger than what we just read. Let me illustrate this uh, for a second. And remember, what we're reading is not just a collection of cool stories. No, they point to Jesus who offers life. So first thing, write this down. Uh, Goliath points to Satan, sin, and death. Hear that again. Goliath points to Satan, sin, and death. Goliath is the champion enemy of God, right? 
He is the great champion of the opposing forces of God. Satan is the chief commander of the enemies of God. Right? And so we see this parallel. Secondly, we see that Goliath stood in opposition of God's people. Let me tell you something. If you've been here for any amount of time, sin is what opposes us from being with God. Right? Uh, See, all of us were born into this world with a problem we inherited from Adam and Eve. And that problem is sin. And the problem is that we have a holy God who has never sinned, who is perfect, who is right in all he does, and yet we uh, have messed up. Right? Like none of us have had to teach our kids uh, how to hit their brother or sister and steal stuff, right? Nobody teaches that. Man, they come out of the womb ready to rock. Wouldn't you guys agree? And that's the inherited problem of sin. And because of our sin, we are in opposition to God. Just like um, we see this opposing force of Goliath. He's representative of Satan and sin. I want you guys to read Isaiah 59 2 with me, okay? It says this, it says, but your iniquities, that's another word for sin, have separated you from your God, right? There's an opposing um, force that sin has alienated us from God. It says your sins have hidden you, uh, hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. That means that we have the problem of sin and it is what is keeping us from experiencing our God. If you read on down, um, I want you guys to see on the screen John 8, 24, real quick. This is what it says. It says, I told you that you would die in your sins, if you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. Well, Goliath is also an instrument of death. And sin is the same instrument in us. That Satan wants to keep us from God. Sin is the problem that we can't hear and be with God. And sin is the instrument of death. So in the same way, Goliath is very representative of all the things that are against us with God. Right, And so as he stands and he taunts and says, can any of you men come and defeat me? We begin to learn, no. Well, listen, I want everybody to to lean in right here. None of us can defeat this problem of sin on our own. None of us can live our way a better life. None of us can become better enough. None of us can find worldly weapons to kill this sin in our life. We need someone to do it for us. That brings me to the next point I want you to take with you. David points us to Jesus. David is a picture of the one who can go and conquer the giant that keeps us from God, right? This is a picture, a clear picture of the gospel. I want you to look back in 17, verse 23. I want you to read this with me. This is what it says. It says, as he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion, came from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it, right? Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. If you want to know who we are in the story, uh, we're the Israelites that, that couldn't step on the battlefield. We're the Israelites that had no way to defeat this enemy. Now, verse 24, it says, Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they fled from him in great fear. And you go on down and you begin to read that David was the one that said, I will come and defeat this enemy. We see a shepherd boy step into the arena where no one would step in. And we see him not take the weapons of this world, right? But we see him trust this battle in the name of God, pick up sticks and stones and defeat this enemy, right? And that's what Jesus did for us. We say, well, but well, how does David point to Jesus? Well, David was a shepherd boy. If you remember last week, he was lowly and humble in stature. He was not great by the world's measures. Well, guess what? Jesus calls himself in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd, right? That he brings himself in to call himself a shepherd. Jesus was born in a manger among animals. 
We begin to see this parallel of this great warrior king we have has humble beginnings just like David. Right? The second thing we see is that David was neglected by his brothers. His brothers wouldn't stand into the arena and fight with him. They let him go alone. Well, in the same way, when Jesus Christ came to defeat his great enemy, he carried that cross and he hung on it alone for me and you. Right? He was denied by Peter three times, his own brother, and that Jesus came and stood face to face with this great enemy of Satan, sin, and death. And what he did is he conquered them all alone. I want you to read Isaiah 53.3 with me. It's what it says. It says, he was despised and rejected by mankind. This is a prophecy about Jesus. A man of suffering, familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. So in the same way as King David didn't even get to come into the room when it was time for the anointing. He had to stay with the sheep. So Jesus came in low stature, just like David. And so what I want you to know, when, when King David, when he stepped out on that field and he slung that stone and it sank into the head of that giant and he came and he uh, took his head from him. Listen, the third thing, his victory points to our salvation. Hear that again. His victory over Goliath is the pointing of our salvation in Jesus Christ, that he conquered the one thing you and I could never conquer on our own. Jesus Christ has taken our sin, defeated death, and he is going to crush the head of Satan. Amen? That is the Jesus we serve. And so take this with you. David all alone fights Goliath without sword and spear. In the same way, Jesus didn't come to set up a military kingdom he, said, he came to set up the kingdom of God that will be in heaven. Secondly, I want you to see Jesus rose from that grave. He defeated sin and death. And then you say, man, Buck, you said you kind of like it rated R. Why is that significant? Read verse 51 with me real quick. It says, David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head from the sword. Well, you say, Buck, why would they include that in the Bible? Remember, this is a picture of the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. Let me read with you Genesis 3.15, the first prophetic promise that we see about Jesus. And he, this is what it says. It says, I will put enmity, this is talking about Satan, between you, Satan, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. This is a prophetic looking forward to Jesus crushing the head of Satan when he comes back. Amen? This is the victory we have in the gospel. And that you and I have no longer have to fear sin, have to fear death, have to fear shame, and have to fear Satan or anything in this world. Because if we respond to the gospel by faith, his victory is our victory, brother and sister. Amen? That's what we come and worship about, what we sing about, while we serve, while we give, while we're generous, while we evangelize, is because we live out of the gospel, not hoping one day to attain it. Right? And so you say, well, Buck, I hear this news. What do I do about this victory? Maybe you're new here today. Maybe you're just coming into church and you're like, man, what is this 5'7 dude yelling about, right? Man, I'm yelling about the good news of Jesus. <laughs> if I ain't smiling, this is good, I'm telling you. So how do I receive this victory? We receive it by faith. And what God does is he illuminates this good news. And maybe you've never even heard this before, but you begin to learn that, man, I believe this. Dang, the Bible is about Jesus. Jesus is real. And what we do is we repent of our sin and we believe it 
by faith. The Holy Spirit illuminates this message to be true, and you respond. If you've never been here, we give an opportunity at the end of service to lift your hand. And what I see that as is a response in faith that, yes, I'm saying yes to Jesus. And we get to receive his victory. Now, I want to ask three things, or talk about a couple things. What keeps us from receiving his victory? Um, I believe it's three giants. Number one, it's the giant of our past. Maybe some of you deal with guilt and shame of kind of where you've come from, what you've been through, and that, man, there is no way a God who is good, if you say he's holy and good and right and loving and all these things, there's no way he could love me. Well, what I want you to know is that Jesus knocked out that giant too. He knocked out the giant of your past and that we're no longer defined by our fast, but we're, we're no longer defined by our past, but by his faithfulness to us on the cross. Second giant is maybe it's the fear of the present, of maybe the pride of admitting, man, I need that victory today. I've never had it spiritually. And it's the pride of what others may think or fear of, of not knowing what that would look like. I want to tell you, Jesus knocked out that giant too. He knocked out the giant of our present, the fear of what it might look like. And one of the things we exist to do is not to be some kind of religious thing. We come and go through the motions and pretend we're okay. Man, we're a hospital for a broken, preaching the good news of Jesus and seeing people come to meet him. Amen? That's what we exist to do. And lastly, the third giant is the giant of our future. Man, I don't know if I can trust God moving forward. Man, I've got so much going on. Of, I don't even know what a future with Jesus would look like. Well, Jesus knocks out that giant too. And our future is secure in him. And that when we come to faith in Christ, our souls are secure in heaven, and we live our bodies headed toward our final destination. Amen. So I want to ask you to be bold in that and to ask, man, where am I in hearing this story of victory, of the gospel, of maybe today, and regardless, maybe you've been following the Lord 20 years, the gospel is good news every day, brother and sister. And in these perilous times, these difficult times, we run to him in strength, and we, again, are encouraged by his victory that he's given us. Right, And so I want to now that you see the big picture of the Bible points to Jesus, uh, this story points to Jesus, it points to the victory he's given us in the gospel. Well, now I want to speak to the practical application of now what do I do? Like you're telling me I have victory, but, but I've got to go to work tomorrow, and it is chaos. It is crazy. I've got people sick, and it ain't looking good. I, I've got stuff going on in my, my, my family that is nuts, right? Well, what I want to do is, uh, today, I want to exhort you as a pastor and to give you courage that we live from this place of victory, right? And I want to teach you what this means when we have Jesus Christ in our heart, the trajectory of our life, how we go about fighting lesser battles. So I'm going to say it like this. We can fight from victory. And I want you to take this down to your notes. Because Jesus knocked out the giant, because the greatest battle you're ever going to face at the end of your life is not job or, or financial situation. No, the greatest thing, the most important thing of your life when this world's over and you stand before God is that you are covered by the blood of Jesus. That is the greatest battle you're ever, that's the greatest thing you're ever going to face is God face to face one day. And all of us must be there covered by the blood of Jesus. We must receive his victory. And if you haven't, that's why I'm preaching it, because we are in the last days, and God has given us the commission to preach the gospel in all the world. That's what we stand here and do. That's what I stand here for. But now let's take it. And if we've received this victory, how can we fight? Number one, because Jesus knocked out the giant, we can learn how to fight lesser battles. Look, let's learn from David here. 
Now we're going to apply it to the actual servant, shepherd boy David. Verse 45. It says, David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin. Remember, these are worldly weapons. This is top-of-the-line stuff in the world, right? He says, you're coming at me with the best of the world. Well, that's what Satan comes at us. He wants to deceive us with the best things of the world. He wants us to live for here, not there. He wants us to live in light of today, not eternity, right? And so we see Goliath coming with worldly weapons to come and fight this battle. Now listen, but David said, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Going down to verse 47, he says, All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for this battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. So we can learn how to fight lesser battles. And how do we fight lesser battles? we begin to trust the Lord with those battles, right? We begin to place our faith in Christ to take care of the things that you and I cannot take care of, right? We begin to fight with prayer, with worship, with trust. And man, I'm just gonna be honest with you. Man, what the Lord's been teaching me is, man, this is a time to fight. And what I mean by fight is to fight with worship and prayer and trust. And man, if you aren't saturating those close to you in prayer, man, I'm telling you, that is the weapon God's uh, given us to fight with and that weapon still works, Hear that again, that prayer and trusting and placing our faith in Christ is the way to go. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Read this. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. That's what Goliath came to the battle with. No, on the contrary, we have divine power. That is the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, when we receive Jesus by faith, we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in us. And what it does uh, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we say, well, what is the giant here? The giant is anything in our life that prohibits us from trusting God, right? And what we begin to do is we begin to take that thought and orient it around the truth of who God is. And we begin to pray the very things we know because God's word is truth, right? And the more we know his word, the more we know his truth, we know how to fight. We know how to pray. And we know how to engage battles when people are sick, when work's terrible, when, when we don't know the future. Financially, we're struggling. We begin to take these thoughts captive and we begin to fight them with the truth of God's word in prayer. Amen? And what he does is he gives us the weapon to fight our lesser battles. The second thing I want you to see, this is so important, the Holy Spirit, I feel like God has given me this. Because Jesus knocked out the giant, we don't have to fear the future. Let that sit a minute. Because Jesus knocked out the giant, we don't have to fear the future. Remember, our eternity is secure in Christ, right? Paul said this, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Uh, and that we begin to uh, see our personal futures are taken care of. But I want to read verse 46 with you. It says, This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. See, David lived in confidence of what he knew God was going to do. You and I can live in confidence of what Jesus has done, right? And that he has cut off the head of Satan. And we can begin to learn, okay? Not only does the battle belong to the Lord, but we can begin to learn our future belongs to the Lord. Hear that again. Not only do we belong to the Lord, but our future belongs to the Lord. I want you to think about it right now. What are the things coming up in your life that you know, like, God, I need you to take this. 
Maybe it's fear for our children, the world they're growing up in. Well, because Jesus knocked out the giant, I can trust God with the uncertain parts of my future. Man, one of my kids, one of my older adopted boys, man, I, I've prayed for him for, for years and, and, and just seen like a, a lot of question marks about the future. And I'm continuing to see God's faithful plan to continue to shape his future. I can trust him, even in the parts I don't know. And even if it don't turn out the way I don't want, I can trust him. I know he's good. He's faithful. I can trust him. Maybe it's your job. Know that you can trust him. Bible says in Romans 8 that neither height nor death, angels nor demons, nor nothing can separate us from the love of God. We can go in faith. We can trust them. Maybe it's with our spouse, our marriage, right? As we will seek the Lord and trust him, we can, we can trust God with this future. Maybe for some it's our salvation, right? We can trust him. Because Jesus knocked out the giant, I can see that my future is secure in him. And whatever that thing is, I want you to think about it. And maybe it is fear, fear of what's going on. We can trust that God's got it, that he's good, he's faithful. And I want you to know something, man. I, I'm not living with my head in the sand. I don't want you to hear this pastor of, man, does he not see what's going on? Listen, I'm hurting, man. I, I'm, I'm praying every, every day, every week. I'm, on, I'm, I'm interceding for you, for this world. But, but I'm going to live each day in light of that day, right? And what I, what I, I want to share a story real quick. And that quote comes from, from a man, um, the late Jimmy Fields. Um, if you're familiar, not familiar with the story, used to coach around here, uh, battled, battled um, uh, the disease that ultimately uh, took his life. And I was thinking about that, of, man, I would have a ton of fear about my future if, if I got diagnosed with something that was going to take my life too soon. And the fear of that. And, and I was talking with a, a local barber one day, and he was telling me this story. And I remember him always saying that, we live this day in light of that day. And as the disease was beginning to deteriorate him, um, this local barber was, was out eating at a local restaurant. And he saw Coach Fields come in. And, and Coach Fields had already lost uh, both of his arms and uh, couldn't, couldn't lift them. And, and it was a, a very tragic thing to see. And so um, he sat down and his wife propped his phone up uh, as she went to order food. And so he's sitting here like, like this. And, and, um, and this local barber... Uh, ordered his food, and he went by, and he wouldn't, he's like, I wasn't overly snooping. Um, but he began to watch the coach scroll on his phone with his nose. And like most of us, it was me, man, I'd be whipping Facebook up, you know what I mean? And uh, he looked in, and he said he had his Bible app open, and he was seeking God's face right here. And he said, uh, he, he said something, uh, someone asked him one time, he said, man, are you believing God can heal you? He said, man, I absolutely believe God can heal me. But God healed me 2,000 years ago, right? He said that God healed me 2,000 years ago on that cross. And that whether I have today or not, man, I'm going to be with God for all eternity. Amen. So we can trust God with our future. Because Jesus knocked out the giant, we don't have to fear our future. And this is it. I want you to kind of think about the battles here. You know, David was still a, a, a man. He's a picture of Jesus He's got a bigger story than he knows at that time. But he's still a boy that had to step onto the battlefield, right? He still had to go and fight that giant. Many of you are going to clock in tomorrow and fight. fight. You're going to fight terrible giants, terrible things going on. Our brothers in Afghanistan 
um, are trying to make decisions if they're going to stay in their villages and, and take on what the Taliban's going to go or if they're going to flee to the hills for a cold winter that they may not survive. Uh, they're, they're, they're making decisions that you and I, man, I, I don't know what I would do in that place, right? And so there are real giants to fight. Well, David still had to step onto that field. I want you to look in verse 48. It says, as the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Look in the way that David went about the battle. Third thing I want you to see, because Jesus knocked out the giant, we can run to the battle, right? We can move toward it. We don't run away from it. We don't cower from it. But we can begin to embrace this victory, and we move toward our battles with courage, with faith, and with boldness that we have a Savior who has won and has defeated anything that could be worse than what we're walking into. Amen? And we ain't all the clapping church men. Y'all should be clapping about that because we serve a God who can give us victory as we fight these battles. Listen, David ran to the giant. David ran to the battle. And so I want to finish my time sharing a personal story with me about what's going on with me. And so last week, you know, preached preach the message on, on Sunday. And man, y'all, we, we, we're celebrating. People were coming to faith in Christ, even in this, right? We're, we're celebrating that today. And so I was pretty worn down spiritually. Like I said, this is a prayerful season. And I'm, I'm you know, just, just, it's a spiritually taxing season. So I've been praying and preaching, seeking the Lord. So I got some time. And one of my, one of my places I like to go when I have a little time is, uh, is to go to the creek, right? And so um, at my time in the creek, man, I'm tired. And, and when I'm tired, uh, spiritually tired, man, I, I need that rejuvenating. I, I need to be poured back into. And this may sound a, a little strange, but this is, this is just what it was. And, and I began to ask the Lord some questions. I said, Lord, of all this going on, all this weight I feel, all this sickness, all this suffering, um, Lord, Lord, what is going on? Right? And let me just say this. The Lord's not afraid of your questions, by the way, the stuff you don't understand. I said, God, I'm, I'm, I'm hurting. People are hurting. Lord, how do I pastor in this? How do I make decisions about, Lord, Lord, help me. Am I, am I doing what you want me to do? Right? Like, am I, am I, am I need to be caring more? Do I need to preach? Go, Lord, what do I need to do? And I, and I said this. I said, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Today, I just need to hear your voice. I need my faith strengthened. I, I need you today. And I know it sounds funny, but, man, if I could set the scene, I was sitting by this creek, beautiful spot. And, uh, and I had my, my pole, and I had my, my worms, and I was fishing. And most of the time I do good. I wasn't catching a darn thing. So that part was not good. But I finally set my pole down, and I leaned up against the log, and it was beautiful. I could hear the waters rushing. I could uh, hear the birds chirping. And, and I said, Lord, I just want to hear your voice. And I remember this passage in Psalm 19 that says, The heavens declare his glory. And I just wanted to read the rest of that passage. Well, I'm so much in the sticks, I can't get my Bible app up, right? Like, I can't even get to the Bible. So, so I'm just meditating on God's Word, and, and it's quiet. And I don't hear anything. And, uh, and so I finally said, all right, well, Lord, I guess you don't have anything for me today. And so I got up, and I picked up my pole, and I dropped my worm down. Like I said, I've been fishing all morning. I hadn't caught anything. And first time, man, I, I catch a fish. And I'm telling you, Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, Buck, you just keep fishing for men. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, but you, you never know when God speaks. You're like, all right, was that me? Was that God? How did that work? Well, I get back in the car, and uh, I, I turn on a sermon. Know what the passage is? 
Luke 5, the disciples leading and, leaving and going to fish for men. Uh, and so I began to listen to this passage. And what it did is it taught me that, um, man, we, we are called to live proactive lives. We are called to run two battles as Christians. We are called to be faithful, to be bold, to move forward. And you know that Psalm 19 I talked about? And this may not be on the screen, but I want to share this with you. When I finally got to Psalm 19, I was wanting to hear God's voice. I was wanting to hear from him, wanting to hear that, God, you're still faithful, you're good. I want to read Psalm 19, 1 through 4. I want you guys to listen to this. As I wanted to hear his audible voice. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hand. So I was out there worshiping. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. Verse 3, they have no speech. <laughs> they use no words. No sound is heard from them. Verse 4, yet their voice goes out into all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. And in the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. In seeking to hear God's voice, I was hearing it. <laughs> he speaks all around the world. He speaks in all different ways and he was speaking to me. And what he gave me is to give to you is that we have three things we're called to do. All right? I want you to hear this. We're called to live proactive lives toward the destination, not retreating from it. And that God has called all believers that we are called to live by faith, not crippled by fear. Right? We're called to live and have our lives busy doing three things. I want you to hear this. We're called to love God. We're called to love people. And we're called to make disciples. Hear that one more time that we have a call in our life, a proactive direction to head in. And I'm telling you, I've never been so strengthened in my faith that God's given us something to do. And, and what he said is, you stay busy doing the right things in the midst of all the difficulty. Don't run from it, but step into it. And brother and sister, this isn't the call for the pastor. It's the call for the church, right? Is that we're called to love God, to love people, and to make disciples. And what we do is that we live proactively toward God, toward these three things, not in reaction and retreat. And so my head's not in the sand. I, I'm fighting as hard as I know how to fight in prayer in these bad things, but I'm going to engage this battle. I'm not going to hide from it, right? And I believe that's what God wanted me to tell. And let me just say how the Holy Spirit works. I'm a nurturer by nature. What that means is, is I'm a lot more on the the, the caring in, and I'm not a, a commissioner all the time of like, we need to go, but I'm telling you, God gave me this message that we're to fight and worship and prayer, to love him in this season, to love people in this season, to love coworkers in this season, to love our community in this season, to love our brothers and sisters around the world in this season, and in all of it, we need to make disciples, right? Because God is still in the business of rescuing people from spiritual death and spiritual life. And they need the victory we have in Christ to stand before God on that day. And church, we are God's plan A. So in the midst of bad things happening, we have a good God who's still in control. In the midst of horrific things going on, we can live from victory not hoping for it. And church, I, I want to encourage you with these words today. I want to challenge you with these words today. Live in wisdom. Make the best decision for your family in the practical decisions in our everyday battles, right? As we're all kinds of voices on the news from doctors. You make the decision, seek God, and trust Him with the result. But don't, you don't have to live your life in fear. You don't have to live your life in fear in this season and that we can trust the Lord even with the parts we don't understand. We can grieve with those who are grieving, comfort with those who need comforting. 
Pray for those that need prayer and be the body of Christ doing those three things. We're going to love God. We're going to worship Him. We're going to love people. I mean, I'm going to keep preaching the gospel and pray that we're making disciples. Amen? And so today, I want a response, uh, everyone to respond with one of three things. One, maybe you heard the gospel today about that victory. And to be honest with you, your life is not headed in that trajectory. It's not headed toward Jesus. It's not, it's not, it hasn't received Jesus' victory. Because see, what happens when we come to faith in Christ, our life was headed in opposition of God. You remember that problem of sin? And we were headed toward us, me, what's best for me, sin and self, right? And we hurt God, we hurt people, and we don't make disciples. Well, when we hear the gospel and we repent and we respond in faith, understand that we aren't saved to sit, but we begin to follow. And the trajectory of our life begins to move, not perfectly, because it's a process, but to, the trajectory of our life begins to move toward loving God, toward loving people, and toward making disciples. And we head this way, right? And remember, we live proactive lives toward God for the rest of our time. And so today, I want to give you that opportunity. If you've never responded to the gospel, remember, we receive it by faith, not by anything you do. And man, I just want to encourage you, if you would lift your hand, we're going to celebrate you, pray with you. And today, no matter what happens tomorrow, you're secure in Christ. Amen? I want to give that opportunity right now. Would everyone bow their heads? Father, we love you. I pray right now for boldness and courage for any that would say, I need that. I know the greatest battle is that I'm going to stand before God. And man, I need the blood of Jesus. I need Jesus in my heart. And I've never done that. And I know today God has illuminated it. He's made it clear that he's asking me to respond in faith. And man, I want to encourage you to do that. Make the decision today because that day is coming. And so if you'd say today, man, I, I want to, fuck, I agree. I want to trust Jesus as Lord. I want to place my faith in Jesus. Would you lift your hand? Is there anyone here today? Would just say today, amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Is there anyone else? This new life in this place, eternity being secure. Amen. I, I, I know the Lord wanted to share that today. Is there anyone else? I'll give you guys just a moment. Well, amen. Thank you, Lord, for new life in this place. Lord, we pray that we would finish our time well. Worship you. God, we love you. God, I'm so thankful that you're still in the business of, of rescuing people, Lord. And we thank you. We love you name. Amen. Everyone can lift their head. And so as we finish our time, man, right now, God, God should have stirred something up in us that we can be praying for. We can uh, put on those weapons of, of worship and praying and seeking God for these things. And maybe for some of you, you received a sermon card on the way in. There's a next step on there. For some, man, it's time to join the body of Christ, to join heart and soul and to move forward with us as we seek to love God, love people and make disciples. For some, it may be to get baptized, that you've made that decision in Christ and never been baptized. Maybe for some, uh, it's to join a connect group. Whatever your next step may be, they're all there on that card. I want to encourage you, don't wait. As God's stirring your heart to move, right, to, to engage, don't, don't walk away without doing what he's put on your heart. I believe I've said what he wanted me to say. I'm praying that you'll do what God's calling you to do. And then lastly, right now, man, you can come forward and pray. You can pray at your seat. Let's pray for this community. Pray for the body of Christ. Pray for those that are sick. Pray for those that need healing. And trust God, 
in that and trust that, that he's good and he's faithful and we're going to fight with the weapons he's given us to fight with. Amen? Amen. Love you guys so much, more than you know. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.